0: God's house with you, Here. let's pray together, Father, we just stay in your presence, we worship you, we love you, thank you, Lord, thank you, you are real, <laughs> thank you, your God, is real, you know, <laughs> and he loves you, he loves me, it's amazing, just totally humbled that god would ever care about me and you but he does each week i ask you say certain things to you kind of a regular routine of what we do about not being a perfect church or people we need god's help that's why we're here we need jesus etc cetera, etc cetera. we're called by god to radiate the love of christ to reach the world to restore them the fully mature followers of Christ that we say those things and then I ask you a series of questions you spend at least five minutes a day five days last week reading your Bible did you uh, spend some time alone with God did you share a God story with someone this week do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you Uh, are you giving as God has asked you to give in word uh, and I'm sorry in time talent and resources and have you invited anyone to church okay you all know that you know that routine all right so are you doing it Do you know who we are you know what you're called to do. Yes, sir. All right. Just want to know if we're all on the same page or not. My tech team's not because my screen up there is messed up. It's not working, and uh, there's an, a little message on there that tells it's not working for me. So, but that's okay. We're not a perfect church, right? We good now? Thanks. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks. You know, I do. So that's why they were asking for help. If you guys. <laughs> 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 <All right. laughs> no, and, and just so you know like There's places for you to serve anywhere in the church We would love for you to, to plug in somewhere And just to be a help At kids, security, nursery um, Tech team worship Coffee shop, you know But we also want to serve in the community So it's not about just doing stuff at the church It's about doing stuff for Jesus everywhere we are So this morning as we are here um, Just I'm just going to do this with you. Okay, we're going to dispense with all the preliminaries and get right into what God wants to say to us. And uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to read some scriptures we already read to you last week. And uh, as I uh, shared with you last week, I said I, I love the story of Gideon. And there's things I, I love about it and what I want to do with it. And so I had no idea that we'd be here again today. But here we are. And again, it's not going to be what I want to do with it. It's something else God wants to do with it. And I'm very excited because I want you to know this before I even speak the message God's given to us. That um, there's a friend of mine that uh, just walked out on me. I don't know where he went. But uh, uh, he told me the, when he first came to church just a few weeks ago, I just met him. And he said, uh, what's your best message? And I said, the one coming up this Sunday. <laughs> and he said, well, what is it? And I said, I don't know yet. <laughs> I just know how God is, and this one's going to be the best one yet. And, uh, and so I know that as we go forward. For one thing, I don't, like, re-preach the same message because, you know, it's served its purpose. There can be thoughts that we revisit or stories that we may talk about again, but it's always something new that God wants to do with us. And so before I even speak the message, I want you to know that I feel in my heart that the message today is absolutely not only life-transforming, but uh, very impacting, and God is up to something, and uh, because of that, I'm like so excited, I can't wait to get it to you, so I'm just trying to slow myself down so we can just like actually deliver the message in the context of how God wants it brought so that you will hear exactly what God wants to say to you through the message. So, church, I'm going to ask everyone in this room, everyone that can hear my voice online, everyone outside on the grounds, anybody that's listening, will you listen and respond to what God wants to say to you today? Then the angel of the Lord came and sat down beneath the tree of Ophrah. It belonged to Joash, Gideon the son of... of, uh, joash was threshing wheat the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the midianites so get a visual of the picture in the context here okay so he's inside of a wine press and he's hiding he's all alone and he's working in there by himself the angel of the lord appeared to him and said the lord is with you mighty warrior Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Okay, first off, we're not re-preaching last Sunday, but we're touching on something really important as we step forward. As we look at this, you remember now, as Gideon's responding here, this is a very personal message. There is no denying it's Gideon. He is alone in a wine press, and the message comes directly to him. God is a personal God, church. God is a very personal God. He knows your name. He knows where you are. He knows what you're doing. He knows your secret places. Come on. And this personal God has a message to challenge you about your life and how you're living it. Amen? God knows how you're living your life and what you think, what you do, what you don't do. He knows. And so as we look at this, God sends the message specifically to one guy in one place. Right now, what I want is just a little bit of a phone booth to fall over you. And I want you to just understand that God wants to speak to you personally. Okay, when... When I first started the ministry, I'm just going to confess to you is that uh, I would be receiving a message from the Lord to preach, and as I received that uh, message from the Lord and I was writing my notes, sorry, but I'm hanging up on myself, when I was writing my notes out, I used to write on my hand and stuff, and as I was writing my notes, I would think about a person in the church, and like, oh, they need to hear this, (laughs) Now I know their life. I know what's going on. I'm like, well, God, that's good. That goes right to them. It wasn't that I was writing the message to them. I was receiving a message from God, and I was like, this this works. Then I would go to church and get up there to preach and look out, and they're not there. <laughs> now, there's two things to that. One thing is that the enemy will try and keep you out of church, because he already knows the messages for you, so don't use that as your excuse not being there. The second thing was, that God has a bigger plan than what I see, all right, just because I think it fits to someone, God's like, I'm doing something, just do your thing, and let me do mine, all right, that's what God's doing, so it's very personal, and it's so real, so as I do this now, as I've grown through the years of being a pastor, and it's like, I try and block everybody out of my mind, so a lot of y'all come to me and say, man, you're just talking to me, or you've been on my porch, you've been reading my, no, God has, God has, not me, I have no idea what's going on in your life, but He knows every little detail. And so I dismiss you. No, don't disrespect. But I don't even think about you when I'm reading the write my message, because it's a message God's speaking to me, and I want it to go right here in my heart. I want to hear it from Him. I want to see everything He wants to say to Dave. And then when God allows me to speak it to you, I have no idea how it's going to come out. I trust Him. And then God moves and He speaks in the way only God can, because He's God. All right, so when you hear the message today and you're like, ah, oh yeah, that's God. It's his finger, okay? All right, so here's, here's what's going on. God has this direct message to Gideon. He's talking to him right there in the first response, which is often our response to a message from God is to deflect it. We wanna deflect that message. See, that's what I used to do. I was looking at everyone else that it would apply to. So here we go as we look at this. Here's God's address. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Right? It's pretty direct. And what's Gideon's response? What are you doing about the problems we have? Right? We're deflecting everything, completely dismissing the address that came to him. When God came with the message, he's like, the Lord is with you. Hey, what are you doing about the problems in our culture, and our society, and the things that are happening out there that aren't right, and all the wrongs that are happening to people that are good people? What are you doing about it? Does that sound familiar, church? I'm just saying. Like, this is what Gideon's doing. He's trying to push God away and tell God, you need to be focusing on the real problems of our culture today. Hmm. So, So this is what God's doing. He's like, Gideon, I'm calling you out. And what I'm asking you to be is a change agent. You're the change agent. See, he was saying, God, what are you doing? And God's saying, you're the one, right? Okay, like I said, we're not re-preaching something. We're looking at something. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. That's pretty awesome stuff right there. I mean, when we read what was just taking place, and you're a mighty warrior, God's looking at you, and he's like, hey, what are you doing about all that? And he's like, hey, God does not even address what's happening out there with Gideon. Sometimes we wonder why God's not answering our questions. It's because we're avoiding the issue. We want to throw a bunch of questions up at God, like you got to fix all this stuff. And God's saying, I need to do something with you right now. Right. Okay. so we're looking at this and he's like, "Um, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel. Can we just pause for a moment here again for just this thought? God didn't say, I'm going to give you supernatural strength. I'm going to do a new thing in you. I'm going to give you something you never had before. God said to him, go in the strength you have. Gideon, you've always had this potential within you. But you're hiding. You're hiding. You're hiding from the Midianites. You're in this little wine press right here. You're confining yourself in this little secluded place. Now get out of there. Go in the strength that you have and go do something big time for God. I'm sending you. (laughs) But Lord, that's Gideon's response to that. Hey, anybody in the room, just saying. God's saying this to everybody in this room I'm sending you. And our first response is just like Gideon's, but Lord, how can I? rescue israel my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of manasseh and i am the least in my entire family so here's our second attempt of deflection first is what are you doing about the problems out there in culture now it's back there again direct see how god does that like last week the week before and now today uh you 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 can we just own that would you just say me right now okay that's who he's talking to so we can't deflect it anymore, but here he goes, right? He's already tried to deflect it, and now what his excuse is, excuses? but Lord, I'm a nobody, and nobody listens to me. I mean, my own family doesn't even listen to me. That's what he said, right? I'm a nobody, and nobody, I mean, I'm my family. We're nothing. So we're using these excuses, and we're trying to deflect God, and so we're going to use our own logic. And in our logic, we say, um, it can't be me. It just can't be me. I know me. I I know I can't do this. I'm a nobody. Nobody listens to me. I can't do this. The Lord said to him, I'll be with you. Does that sound familiar, church? This is what the Lord says to Gideon right there. As soon as Gideon gets the excuse, but I'm a nobody, the Lord says, I'll be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you are fighting against one man. See what God just did? He just said, look, here's the deal. It's really not about you, but I'm asking you to do it. But I'm going to do it through you, and I'm going to knock them out. I'm going to win the fight. You just got to move. Get out of your wine press, Stop hiding. Start living in obedience and do what I say. And I will fight the fight for you, and you will be guaranteed victory. I'm the one giving you victory. Amen. Amen. Church, the Bible is full of promises. God has given so many promises to us about what he will do for us, what he will do through us, what can be done when we simply trust him. When we obey him, when God says something to us and we do it, the reality is God wants to do something significant through you starting now. God wants to do something significant through you starting now. Own it. Receive it. So there's no denying what's going on here, right? God's like, here's the deal, it's you, it's you, I'm doing something, I'm using you, I'm going to accomplish something great, let's go. Gideon replied, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. (laughs) All right, let's, I mean, it is funny, isn't it? It's really funny because of how ridiculous it is. When he was first addressed, And it says in the conversation, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Hey, uh, I heard about you, so he knows he's talking to God. Right? Come on. He already knows he's talking to God. He just said, I heard about you. We've heard about all you've done in history, so he already knows he's talking to God. He's tried to make excuses for why he's not doing anything about the situation and the problems of culture. And now it comes to the point where he can't run from the message and he knows the messenger has pinpointed him personally. And now he's like, well, if it's really you, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you. Now just think about how ridiculous that statement is right there. If it's really you, wait and I'll go get an offering to bring to you. Come on, is that not ridiculous? he knows it's him he knows what he's being called to do he's already been told the outcome of what god has planned and now he's saying i'm going to bring an offering to you which is god and he already knows it if it's you i'll bring you an offering you just stay here hang out wait a minute how many times have you given god a time out in your life that's what gideon's doing he's like i hear everything you're saying but if you just wait a minute I want to make sure it's you Stepping back for a minute Just let's check this out Don't go away until I come back And bring my offering to you He answered God's amazing patience I I want you to know This incredible God Is so patient with us I'll stay here until you return I'm telling you God is amazing isn't he He's just like okay Come on do your thing I'll be right here So we go run around over here for a while doing this or that and doing this or that. Do you understand that what Gideon was doing was creating and putting together an offering to God? Do you understand that? So he was over here doing a God thing while God was waiting to do a God thing. Think about it. So he's he's trying to do something for God while God is trying to do something through Gideon. And so here's Gideon. He runs over here. He hurries home. He cooked a young goat. How long does that take? I mean, I don't care if it's medium rare, right? He he (laughs) takes a goat and he cooks it, but he's not done yet. And with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. So he's baking bread too. It's taking a while, isn't it? (laughs) Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the great tree. God's still waiting the angel of God said to him place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it and Gideon did as he was told look this is the first time Gideon did something without questioning the first time this is a huge moment we finally have obedience come on it's good that's a great point right there not not my point I'm saying the point of Gideon's surrender he finally obeyed without questioning come on church just do it stop having a debate with God stop negotiating with God stop trying to do stuff for God just do what he's telling you to do go put it on that rock okay put it on the rock get out of the way then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. Fire flamed up the rock, consumed all he had brought, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed! I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face! I mean, come on! I mean, I'm laughing with you at Gideon, but I'm also thinking, Well, God, we are dumb, and I have done the very same thing. I mean, how many times does God have to show himself to us before we finally say, yeah, he's real. It's, it is what he says. It is what he says. It's right there in our face. And then of, of all the dumb things to say, he's like, wow, I'm dead now. If God wanted him dead, he'd already be dead. I mean, in the beginning of the negotiations, God would have just squashed him like a bug. But he didn't. And now Gideon's like, here's a reality moment. I'm in the presence of God. Hello. I'm done for. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. I am so grateful for God's patience with us. I mean, thank you, God. Because every one of us in this room, every one of us, me, I mean, There's so many times God should just say, I am like so tired of you and the dumb games you play and the stuff I'm trying to say to you and the way you negotiate and skate around, talk to me about stuff, go do stuff in the other direction, saying you're doing it for me. And I'm asking you to just do something so simple. And this patient God is just waiting and saying, look, I'm here for you. Peace. Don't be afraid. You're not going to die. Once the reality that God is talking to us, and that God is talking to us about something, and that reality sinks in, it changes our life. See what is God saying? Is I want to do something, and when God speaks to us and He challenges us with something personal, I'm talking about us, oftentimes we respond like Gideon in fear. Our first response to God is based in fear we're scared um so let's just admit this right now so we can get going obedience can be scary sometimes obedience can be scary sometimes when i look back on my life and i think of all the times god asked me to do stuff uh there's not a lot of them that i wasn't like nervous about Uh, a little bit of butterflies in my stomach sweaty hands I, I can't tell you how many times I preached where I was literally sick to my stomach. I could not eat before I preached because I was so full of, of butterflies and anxieties to stand in front of people and talk. And so when you step out in obedience, see, and uh, mostly you probably know what I'm talking about when I say I had cotton mouth. Like that used to be the way I had other things that impact my life, but I actually had it when I went to preach no moisture in my mouth whatsoever, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, drugs do that to you sometimes, so anyway, um, <laughs> I was like, I would step up into the pulpit area to preach and um, I, I couldn't even hardly move my mouth, I'm, I'm being honest, I'm serious, I mean it was literally like that for me as in the anxieties and my, my hands were sweaty and, and it's like God's saying, come on, let's do this and when I would open my mouth and begin to speak, you know what his promise says? Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's what he told Moses. Like, just who made your mouth? I had all those arguments with God, just like Moses, just like Gideon, all these. Like, so have you. Like, who am I? What can I do? What is it? And, hey, who made you? Who's trying to do this? Just, just get out of my way. Open your mouth. Let me say what I want to say. And so now, like, those things don't happen. <laughs> Obedience at first can be scary but we got to remember who it is that's asking for our obedience God's the one asking for obedience if God's asking us to do something just like he said to Gideon I will go with you I will defeat the Midianites right God's the one that's doing all the work he's gonna fight the battle he just wants us to step into it I'm gonna do this for you so fear is conquered through obedience Fear is conquered through obedience. Fear will paralyze you if you let it, and you won't ever move. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Oprah of the Bezerites. Isn't that awesome? Something good's happening right here. Gideon finally moved in obedience. He realized this is all real. This isn't a game. This isn't some mystical vision I think I'm seeing. This is a real thing. God just asked me to do something. And so Gideon builds an altar. Remember, he still has altars at home to other gods. But it started in a moment where he built an altar because he recognized who God was and what God was saying to him. That's awesome. And the author of the book of Judges says, says, Hey, everybody, it's still there. If you get on down the road and you walk over that way, you're going to see that pile of stones. Gideon built that stone uh, altar on that day because of what happened between him and God. you have any of those places in your life where people around you could just walk by and say, oh, yeah, that's where he met God and God did something different? Yeah. <laughs> it's great stuff. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bowl as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family, the townspeople did it at night rather than in the daytime. So we just pause again for a moment. Here's the thing. Like even when we're in church, like God's presence can be so real, and he calls us to an altar or a moment of surrender or whatever he's doing to you and in your heart, right? And it's like the tangible presence of God, kind of like where Gideon built that altar. It's like, whoa, God's real. But you have to leave the altar and go back into real life. So he goes home, back into real life, where the tangible realness of God isn't quite as strong. And he goes home and God says, "I, I want you to do something now. Right here, right now. Get out in the yard and tell that, tear that stuff down. Okay, now we got to act in obedience when we don't feel it. Right? Mm. We're not like having this tangible conversation with God in the moment here. He's saying something we know in our heart. It's real, but yeah, go tear it down, man. Go do it. So fear starts creeping in. I, I'm not going to knock Gideon just because he did it at night because he was afraid because he did it. He still did it. So don't let the devil beat you up with, you know, the junk he tries to beat us up with. When we finally do something in obedience to God, celebrate it, man. He tore that thing down. That's awesome. I don't care when you do it. Just do it. Okay? <laughs> okay. I do want you to see here, though, that fear still tries to paralyze obedience. Because as Gideon is contemplating what God has asked him to do, and he has to act upon it, fear starts to creep in again. We notice something about this. It keeps showing up. This fear thing keeps showing up. And uh, it's trying to paralyze the work of God. It's trying to stop what God has planned so we're going to address that fear issue in a moment, but we're, we're going to highlight some things before we move on. I, I want to look at this bigger picture for a second and then focus down on the fear issue that paralyzes us, okay? Okay. God calls Gideon to act in obedience in a hiding place right he's in a hiding place he already sees himself as nothing he feels like he can't do anything but God sees him differently and so Gideon is working in fear all along the second thing we see is that's a personal message you're going to do this right you're going to do this the third thing we see is you're not going to be alone I'm going to do I'm going to be with you The next thing we see is, you need to go home and start this process where you live, tear down the altars at home, okay? So we're just stepping through. Now, this act of obedience will not only change your life, but it's going to impact people around you that you have no clue about. See, a lot of times we try and make excuses for our lack of obedience, using our nothingness as an excuse. When God's trying to do something more than what we understand in the moment. He told Gideon, "I'm going to set Israel free from the Midianites through you." God doesn't always do that for us, but what God is always doing is trying to get us to move in obedience because he has a bigger plan in action. We try and think it's all about us. It's all about this moment. And it really doesn't matter, but church, it matters, or God wouldn't be talking to you about it. Amen. And when God asks us for obedience, he's trying to accomplish something that is kingdom size, not self size. Amen. And so when we move in obedience, God is up to something. God is moving in something. I will never forget. Look, I'm going to take you way back in my walk with God, right? Um, I, I, I'm, as I look back on these simple little things, I say they're simple. And you're going to laugh about this when I tell you, really, you will. Because most of y'all know that I was raised uh, in that, um, the church I was raised in, Christian church, but very legalistic and, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. Um, There wasn't a lot of demonstrative action in worship. Uh, What I mean by that is we didn't stand, we all sat. If you were asked to stand, people groaned as they did it. Uh, nobody clapped or anything like that. And um, so like, uh, anyway, there was this day in my life where we were singing a worship song to God, and God told me to raise my hands. Now, I'd never done that before in my whole life. Seriously, now I'm, I'm telling you, it's funny because I laugh about it now because can't hold myself still now but in that moment see God was like raise your hands and and I was like there was this battle inside of me seriously is that dumb or not I mean it is dumb you don't have to answer that it is dumb there's this battle inside of me like raise your hands if you raise your hands people are going to look at you that's what was going in my head and I remember I already struggled with that introvertedness and my invisibility didn't think anybody knew I was around or anybody knew I was there so that was my mindset so God's like, raise your hands. And I'm like, well, if I raise my hands, it's going to be, well, it was actually just a hand. It wasn't hands. If I raise a hand, it's going to draw attention to myself. And, you know, that's self-righteous. And so I can, I can excuse myself to not raise my hand because I don't want to draw attention to myself because that's not what it's about. And then also I don't want to appear like I'm righteous or somebody when I'm not. Right? So I can make that sound really holy. And God's like, raise your hand. You may think that's crazy or there's something going on. No, I'm telling you, the Spirit of God asks for obedience. And he starts in places where he knows we need to surrender. Raise your hand, Dave. (laughs) Raise your hand. Raise your hand. We were singing, holy, holy, holy. This is Lord God Almighty. And that song was going, thankfully, several times. (laughs) As I negotiated with God why... It really wasn't necessary for me to raise my hand. I know he's holy. But when I finally raised my hand in obedience, the spirit of God fell on me, man. You know why he was just rewarding a simple act of obedience with the tangible presence of his glory. And it wasn't that God's closer when you raise your hands. It has nothing to do with that. It had to do with obedience to what God was asking me to do where I look at this and I'm like man you know God um, that one simple act of obedience to God I didn't have to do that by the way I could have chose not to I could have made my excuses and claimed my self righteousness and humiliation and my humbleness before God and never raised my hand I could have done that and I would have ended up if I would have continued down that road just as stiff and dead as ever I would have but in that simple moment of surrender to God and saying you're God whatever See, things began to open up and God began to introduce me to what it meant to worship Him. My whole life has been transformed in so many ways and so many times by simple acts of obedience. Now, I look at this and I'm saying, Church, you know, I don't care if you think that's ridiculous or whatever your opinion of it is, I, I know what it is. I know what God was talking to Dave about why he was hiding his little wine press. I know. God called me out, said, raise your hand to me. Did I feel like people were looking at me? (laughs) Absolutely. It took a while for the second one to get up there with it. I'm not talking about that day. I'm talking about a few months or years, I don't remember, before the second one finally joined it, in absolute surrender to God. You should probably do that right now, everybody. Just raise your hands for a minute. It's not that bad. Was that hard? (laughs) Okay. It's an absolute surrender to God, right? Now y'all did it. Victory. Amen. All right. Anyway. (laughs) So this act of obedience will not only change your life, but it's going to impact people around you. It will. See, what was happening with Gideon was, I want to do something with you. Will you do it? You got the wrong guy. I'm a nobody. I'm going to do it through you. You're the one. Um... Can you hold on a minute? I want to go get something for you and see if we're still on the same page. Okay, come back. All right, so I want to do something. Are you ready? Okay. Oh, you really are God. You really do want to do it. I'm going to worship you now. Go home and do something now. Okay, you know what? When Gideon finally got around to doing what God asked him to do, it wasn't about Gideon. It impacted his father's home, the community around him, the city and his entire nation come on think about it look don't think your obedience to God is something small it's not something small the church sits there complaining about our culture come on we're complaining about everything that's wrong in our culture it's our fault we are culture And when the church is obedient to God, God transforms culture. Because God transforms people. But church, until we get obedient, until we become obedient to the whispers of God, to whatever God's asking us to do, nothing's going to change. Nothing will change. Don't think your obedience is something small. God's up to something. And fear is the paralyzer of obedience. It keeps raising its ugly head in everything we do. I read these verses to you last week, John 14. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Do you love him, church? Does he live at your house? Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. See that obedience thing right there? He's like, look, man, when you're living it, I live with you. <laughs> Remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Isn't that beautiful? He's like, hey, stop with the fear thing. Live with me. Trust me. I've got you. The Spirit reveals truth to us. The Spirit of God lives within the believer. And the Holy Spirit affirms the truth of God therefore when I walk in obedience to God I already know I'm walking in obedience to God and God can do what he wants to do then I live in obedience to the promises of God I'm fulfilling the love of God by living God and God can finally do what he wants to do through me it's right there in the scriptures he gives it to us do you know there's a lot of Christians that are afraid of death we're afraid to die well I'm not telling you to like be excited about or anything but the reality is is that's the culmination of our faith. The reality of our faith is when we die. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they come for me. Everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. Okay. But there's these reality moments. There are these reality moments. We were in... the. Mayo Clinic with Mark. I was up there with him one of the days, and there was that time of uh, extreme difficulty where his life was on the edge, in the shadow of death, literally, and I'm in the room with my brother looking at him, and um, he looked up at me, and he said, you know, I can see why older people don't live through this, and he was feeling that teetering on the edge of death and life. Yeah, that's where he was. That's where he was going through. And as I was looking at him in that place, and I'm standing over here, I um, i had the Spirit of God speak this into my heart. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff and comfort me. And it's like, man, God, you have brought us through this. You have shown your hand in everything we're dealing with. There's no doubt, God, you're in this. Now, you can heal, and you've proven yourself in the past to heal. I know that. You have chosen not to. I don't know why. But you have called us here in this moment to trust you. God, we trust you. That did not change the way Mark felt. He was sick in the valley of the shadow of death. It was real. But we trust you. And when we trust God, see, his presence is there, and there is peace. There's peace. There's peace. This week, Paul Jackson went in for heart surgery. He and Pam were coming into this, talked with him right over here in the church. Paul is one of our board members, teaches classes here, uh, long members of our church, having open-heart surgery, and he says, I'm just totally okay. Good. Peace. Trust in God. Don't know where Paul is right now. He may be with Jesus. I don't know. Pam was called out of here a while ago. Things didn't go well in the surgery. And afterwards, I should say. Things are going on there. Whatever. I, I'm not making light of that. Please hear me. This morning, as Pam was in the first service here, smile on her face, talking with her last night. She's like, I'm at peace. I know God's got this. See, church, when our faith is our faith and it's real, it's real. We don't have to be afraid of anything. I mean, (laughs) we were singing in worship, and I was just like, wow. Right now, Paul could be looking at Jesus. (laughs) Right in his presence. He could be. I don't know. I still don't know. And it could be. Maybe God's going to keep him here for a while longer. I don't know. But the reality of the fact that God, I mean, that Paul could be like standing in the presence of Jesus. While we were singing that song, I'm thinking, you know, if he is, (laughs) first thing he did was just bow his knees and said, Jesus Christ is Lord. The reality of his faith would be there, right? So if we really believe what we believe, like that moment where Gideon's like, whoa, I'm in the presence of God. Church, if we believe that, we're in the presence of God. I want you to know you right now are in the presence of the living God. He's with us. He's taking us through things in life. He's got us. Fear not. Some of us are all worried about stuff. I mean stuff. We're worried about, like, hey, what? am I going to be able to pay my bills? Am I going to do this? Hey, I struggled with that for years. I completely trusted God with his church, but I thought I was responsible for myself and my home. And God just keep reminding me, like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Oh, yeah, God, I know you got the church. <laughs> 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 Never, ever have I questioned, don't even worry about whatever the offerings are. I don't even worry about it. God's got it. He's got his church. I'm not even worried about it. But when I look at my own bank account, I'm like, oh God, that's getting a little low there. I don't know. <laughs> Should I pick up a side job here? <laughs> what am I going to do? You know, it's God's like, you trust me. Well, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 6, and this is where God continuously brought me to until I surrendered that to him, not that long ago. So don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. That's a promise from God, right there. Why in the world are we stressed out about stuff? All right, what about our worries? Oh, my goodness. See, I, I the fear initiates this worry thing and anxieties, and people live that way. People in the body of Christ live in fear and anxiety why why I mean let's read God's word so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he'll lift you up in honor give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you oh you mean I can just turn this over and you got it yep that's what he said does that mean this oh here you go God you can take care of that and I'll work on these over here, and I'll meet you back here on Sunday. <laughs> Give all your worries and cares to God. Doesn't he already know where you live? Doesn't he know what's going on in your life? Of course he does. <laughs> okay. Philippians 4. I got a bunch of them. Philippians. I mean, God does. Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. See, we, we, just, we were trying to hold on to some stuff here. We're like saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice that. I'll give that to you, God, absolutely. He says to us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Yeah. You want to talk about your problems? Talk to God. I don't really need to hear him. Just saying. Okay. Glad a couple of you were listening. All right. <laughs> Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. That'll be a great idea. Why don't we just do that for just a moment right here? I mean, he already knows what we need. He already said so. He said he's going to take care of that stuff. Why don't you just thank him for a minute for everything he's already done? Thank you, Lord. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. (laughs) You want to just chill out and relax, stop with your worry and anxieties? Trust Him. When you start having that fear creep in, bring it to Him and talk to Him about it and give it to Him. That's what He just told us to do, right? Romans 8. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Good stuff, man. Do you know you're a child of God? If you don't, you can. I mean, the spirit of God witnesses. I'm, I'm new. I'm made new. I am a child of God. And when it does that, his spirit affirms something to us. He talks to us, right? He affirms this. And so when we know this, he says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. So, hey, when fear starts creeping in, it always tries. It always tries. Reject it. 2 Timothy 1, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's the spirit God's given us. So just put your brakes on. Stop it already. Uh Relax. We don't have to be timid about it. We don't have to be fearful about it. No anxieties. God's got it. I don't care what you're facing. Not that I don't care. It's, God's got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. God's word is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's so good. God's amazing. He's so amazing. He's like, all right, George, are you going to trust me with what I called you to do or not? Are you going to release your anxieties and your fears? Look, See, fear is a temptation. If you read the Bible, if you want to go back uh, to a search mode in, like, Bible Gateway and do a search or something. You can do that on the app. It's free. And you go in there, just put in, like, fear or afraid or any of those kinds of words, and you're going to find it throughout the Bible. And usually, every time people are confronted with something dramatic, that's the first thing we feel. I mean, I I just want you to know, when you see God for the first time, you're probably going to have a little bit of, like, (gasps) like that in you. Right? I mean, I would think so, because he's God. All right. So that's a normal feeling that we have. So fear is an emotion and we have emotions. But the thing is, is we can't let fear get a hold of us when it comes up. Remember, the the ladies tell come back to the disciples after Jesus is out of the tomb and they come back to him and say, look, we've seen the Lord. He's alive. And they're sitting there having this conversation in that room that the disciples are and they're talking about these things. And it's like, wow, he he said he was going to do this, didn't he? Two back from Emmaus Road come back to the group like, we've seen the Lord. And everybody's talking about this. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And you know what it says in the word of God? They were all afraid. (laughs) Wait a minute. You were already told. He told you he was coming to see you. The ladies already said he was coming to see you. Mary said, I've seen him. The two guys from the Emmaus Road come back. We've talked to him. We saw him. And all of a sudden, there he is. And it's like, whoa, I'm scared. And the first thing Jesus said is, don't be afraid. Grade. all right so here's the thing you're not going to stop having fear raise up you're not it's going to come after you it's a temptation but you don't let have to let it live with you Amen. okay we reject it just like the temptation it is because if you let fear get a hold of you it'll paralyze you and you'll doubt and you won't move in faith Therefore, we reject that fear. We will not accept it for what it is. It's a lie from the enemy who wants to keep us from accomplishing what God wants to accomplish. So we reject that thing because it's a lie. I don't have to be afraid because God's the one that's asking me to do it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Fear is defeated by the Holy Spirit within us. We must act in obedience to what God is asking from us. He is trying to do something, and our obedience is the key to the God thing he wants to accomplish through us. That's, these are our action steps, by the way. I'm already ripping through them so you can get out of here. <laughs> what in your life have you been in making excuses for? You know how you've been having that debate with God? You know? You know what God's asking you for, and you keep, like, talking around it? And uh, we're like, hey, just just wait right here. God, I'll be back next Sunday, and we'll deal with this. Kind of like Gideon was going to go do some stuff for him, right? What in your life have you been making excuses for? What fear has kept you paralyzed? What fear has kept you paralyzed? What is it? I know people that have lived in fear their entire lives, just gripped in fear, paralyzed and not able to get past the place they are in their life. I shared with you before, mm, I'll make it really fast, but I need to. See, when we have this place of obedience, God's going to continuously bring us to that place until we obey. Mm -hmm. And when we don't obey, God's going to let us go back and do our thing, but he's going to bring us right back to it. It's the way he does it, because what God's after is obedience, always after obedience, always after obedience. And so when there's this point at which we want to make excuses or we use fear as our excuse or we have anxieties over what he's asking, God's like, you know, you can go ahead and do all that over there. Come on, get back over here, though. Here's what I want to talk to you about. And uh, I I just want you to know you don't have to live in fear, anxiety or worry. You need to step in victory. God's calling you. God's calling you to newness when you step into it with him. He says, I'm going to do something. God's going to do it. You know how many promises he said to that? What are you going to do in obedience today to take the next step in what God is asking you for? You know, as I shared with you about raising my hand way back when, uh, I really firmly believe that if I didn't surrender to that, I wouldn't be here right now with you. I don't you see like as that moment happened in my life what it taught me was several things identify the spirit of God's voice when he's talking to you about something that is him there's no getting around it that like God doesn't always ask for something complex and monumental just raise your hand for Pete's sake, right alright that, that's like you, you hear what I'm saying that's like a small thing but it transformed my life because I was learning to hear him Learning to act upon him. Surrendering to him. Moving on obedience. So when he started asking me for other things, it's like you can't deny that's him. Kind of like I had those debates. I've I've had those arguments like Moses and Gideon and everybody else. Like I think you got the wrong guy, man. <laughs> I just you know <laughs> Nope, I don't. I know what I'm doing. Are you gonna do this? Yes, Lord. So that's always God's asking us. Obedience. Just a yes, Lord. So wherever you are, if you are the one that God's asking, and I'm not saying he's telling you to raise your hand, but that what you think is such a small thing, if that's what's going on in your life, would you please respond immediately today right now? Please. Whatever God is asking you for today, do it. Do it. Would you stand with me, church? I'm inviting you. God is inviting you to a step of obedience. Has fear paralyzed you? Worries and anxieties and all that? Come on. Would you right today just give it to God? Just give it to him. Here's the altar. Hand it over. Obedience, church. Obedience. Here it is, God. Lay it on the altar. Here is the altar to the Lord right here. The Lord is peace. That's the name of it. That's what Gideon said. The Lord is peace. I'm laying it out. Lord, there it is. (laughs) There it is an offering to you. You are God. You are God.